Welcome. And uh, let me just point out that uh, Garson is in from Graffs in Mexico, Missouri. And uh, he has brought in uh, some very neat firearms. Uh, one of them is really, really, really exciting for me. Anyway, we'll get to that in just a few minutes. Uh, Dale Roberts is with us, uh, mogunlaw.org. Come. Um? Dot com. Dot com. Why am I doing that all of a sudden? I've been giving your email, your uh, website uh, address uh, correctly for the longest time. I think it's Did age. Did you just say April Fool's? <laughs> Uh, yeah, all, all three of you are. Uh, and then uh, Chuck Basie, number three, former state representative, uh, who is also a Second Amendment supporter. We jump in here and grab a phone call or two, 800-529-5572. Or if you would uh, prefer, you could just send a message to GaryNolan.com. Uh, go to GaryNolan.com and send a message to me. It'll pop up in studio. In the meantime, let's get this uh, first call out of the way. It is uh, Dave Dave, good morning. How are you? Hey, Gary. I think the thing with the assault weapons push that the administration on is to realize they don't really want to ban anything. Because if Joe Biden wanted to, with the stroke of a pen today, he could take hundreds of thousands of, uh, air quote, assault weapons out of the hands of all law enforcement across the country, federal, state, and local. And he has the authority to do that, to ban their use, and then not to give any federal funds to any agency that uses them. So it's not really about banning the guns. It's about just reserving the right for the government. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt that uh, he doesn't want uh, citizens to have them. Um, and, oh, okay. and he certainly is not going to, you know, he differentiates. In his mind, uh, as you point out, uh, law enforcement can have them, but we can't. Uh, and he's, and he's think, yeah, he's not, not going to go there. I think we need to be more like Dale and the other lawyers and be very, you know, the law is nothing but a pile of technicalities. And so when people say ban, we need to make sure that we hold their feet to the fire and say, no, no, you mean reserve the right to the government. Because yeah. a ban would preclude their use at all. And then, of course, well, they uh, do that with machine guns. Huh? Right. Yeah, well, then, of course. If you banned it from law enforcement, the bad guys would all get them because that well, would make law well enforcement gun. vulnerable. Well, no, no. Gun control works so well in Mexico. <laughs> Mexico. There's only one gun shop, and the cartels don't have any guns. Yeah, they're, they're, they're <laughs> <laughs> practically unarmed. All right, Dave, your point is Thank well you. made. Thank you. Uh, let's uh, get to Chuck. Good morning, Chuck. Hey, Chuck. Uh, hey. And I can't... Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Chuck, Chuck, hold on, Chuck. I don't know if you can hear me or not. Uh, Is he a robot? We, yes, R2-D2. Uh, but we can barely I'm hear you. I'm calling back. All right, now that we heard. <laughs> oh, to, am I good now? Now you're... Well, I don't know about that, but we can hear you. <laughs> hey, I'm a truck driver. Nope. Nope. Chuck, get to a better area. We will put you up first, Okay. Uh, all right, thanks. All right. Uh, Lord, I, I imagine as a truck driver, if he's going interstate, he's got all kind of questions about where and how uh, to carry. But anyway, we'll find out what his real question is when he gets to a, uh, a better cell. In the meantime, show and tell. And uh, let's start out with uh, Heckler and Coke. What do we got here? Uh, this is the HKP30L. So this is their long slide, um, which is super awesome. Uh, this 
Actually, comes with three magazines. Normally, HK Stingy and only gives you two, but this one has three mags. Um, night sights on this model. Uh, you're right there. Okay, I'm okay. Go ahead. <laughs> so fully ambidextrous. It's got um, HK's little uh, mag release on each side of the back of the trigger guard. So you just push down on that instead of in, like on a traditional mag release. Uh, HK's been doing that for a long time. And I've, I've been a big fan of that because I am left-handed, uh, but it's on both sides. So right or lefty, you can use your thumb or index or middle finger, whatever whatever suits your um, choice to uh, release the magazine. But they've also added a ambidextrous slide release, so you can either reach up with your uh, thumb or index finger and uh, drop that slide very easily. Um, so awesome gun. Uh, HK is you know known for their quality and uh, accuracy. These are just great guns, and the long slide version uh, is just so much so so much more so of that. Uh, it's got um, it's got a decock button at the back of the slide. Um, I, I prefer their older USP style uh, selectors, like a 1911 safety and, uh, and decock lever. But um, the the button on the back is is unobtrusive, and it makes the gun a lot more comfortable to carry. Um, and then this has the replaceable panels on the grip, and this is where they really um, kind of started this trend with a lot of gun manufacturers. So not only is the rear back strap replaceable, but the side panels are also um, replaceable. So you can really customize the size of the grip to fit your hand, and the, and the little texturing that they use in their plastic um, provides a very secure grip without being over aggressive, overly aggressive uh, like some other pistols. Um, so all around, just a great gun and um, good to shoot. It's got a full-length Picatinny rail, so you can you know get any kind of lighter laser combo you want on there without any issues. And then uh, I, I find this a little overkill, but on the magazine, HK has marked every round position from 4 to 17 rounds. So, you know, some companies, you know, you'll do like every five rounds or every two rounds. But, yeah, they, they've got a hole in here to let you see exactly how many rounds there are uh, from four to 17. <laughs> I love that mag release. Yeah, the mag release is amazing. Um, just press down a little bit and mag pops right out. Um, they slide in smooth. Um, the lock on it is is nice and uh firm you i mean you can really tell when it's locked in it makes a good click and there's no having to you know guess if you got your magazine seated correctly or not um because that that's really a positive um feeling when it locks into place i mean that is just so totally customizable that is amazing yeah they're they really knock these out of the park um and that and the grip um it's so i'm not a big fan of finger grooves on the front but the way they do these, they're not as uh, intrusive as some others, um, so I don't mind it. Um, but like the the finger grooves and the Glock, I, I prefer like the Gen Three Glocks without the finger grooves um, versus the the fours or the uh, yeah. Um, so, but this uh, they're not they're not as annoying to me. Maybe they're just in a better position for my hand. But um, awesome guns. And uh, definitely worth checking out and looking at, especially for 850 bucks. It's it's a darn good deal for for under a thousand dollars. Yeah, that is nice. 
Um, all right, listen, we got a, a boatload of phone calls here we really should get to. Oh, dang. Uh, we've got a revolver that we were going to get to uh, and, and, a, uh, and a rifle. We'll get to all of them in just a few minutes. But rather than make all these people hang on, let's just grab a couple of calls. We'll start with Ryan uh, with uh, Red Flag Law question. Ryan, welcome. How are you? Good, good. Hey, let's start off on a little funnier note. Instead of banning guns, let's just ban murder. Um, oh, I wish somebody had thought of that before. <laughs> uh, as far as red flag laws go, I, I think the concept is is in a good thought. Mental health is an issue. We need to address it. But what can we do instead of red flag laws to address mental health? I mean, if something needs to happen, yes. I admit it. I mean, I've been in a bad spot before coming out of the military where I don't think I should have had guns. But I'm in a very healthy spot in my life where I hunt. And I use guns safely, and I'm teaching my kids great firearm safety. But I understand that mental health is an issue. How do we address that? Well, first, there's no system that's 100% perfect. So nobody's going to come up with the right answer for everybody. Some people are just going to fall through the cracks. Uh, but I think there was a time when, uh, you know, some dangerous people could be taken off the streets. But I, I, I really think... The answer lies on the other side of the coin, and that is to have as many people who are willing uh, be armed to defend themselves. Because you, you really can't stop the bad guy from trying, whether it's mental illness or not. Uh, maybe it's greed, avarice, jealousy, who knows. Uh, but there's no perfect solution. I'll go around the table here very quickly if somebody disagrees. Well, uh, Dale? Well... <clears throat> You're right, and as an example, you know, Democrats right now want to spend $50 million a year uh, for CDC to do research on gun violence prevention. And I think if they spent $50 million a year to harden schools and train school personnel, that would be money much better spent. Anybody else? No, I think you're right on, Gary. There's no one thing that's going to solve this, but it needs to be a multiple-faceted approach. And um, I think the best option would be to expand the ability for school staff members that are trained, properly trained, to carry and get rid of those uh, soft target signs they have on every doorway in a school. And, and uh, they basically said this is a gun-free zone, and they just don't work. And that's what these individuals do. They pick soft targets to, uh, yeah, to, hit. to attack. Yeah, they, yeah, they're not going to have any resistance. Ryan, th what? thank you. It's a, it's a great question, but what? i got to move on. I, I'm falling behind here. Uh, let's see. Dan, good morning. How are you? Hi, I am fine. What's up? I was calling regarding the uh, carrying of a very small revolver. Yeah. And... Uh, the smallest that I found is North American Arms. I have a five-shot twenty-two Magnum, and that thing is very, very tiny. It's not much larger than a large pocket knife, basically. And they also have, I believe, a Derringer that fits on a belt buckle with a earth magnet, so it's magnetized to the belt buckle, and you can just pull it off your belt buckle and have access. Um, Cyclops uh, chambered in uh, forty-five seventy. Uh, it's from Bond Arms. It's a little, uh, <laughs> just a really tiny little pocket pistol uh, that might be fun, too. It just was introduced at the SHOT Show. 
Uh, to Derringer. Yep. Uh, something and else on you... that prior person's uh, comment about mental health, I would say that the tax money is for, like, cigarette smoking. When you get those monies, that doesn't go in general revenue. That should go to suppress cigarette smoking. With alcohol, that money shouldn't go to general revenue. It should go to suppress the people who want to put alcohol use. That money should be targeted back when you get extra money based upon somebody's problem. You should target that money back to that problem. Money on on uh, uh, gambling. People need help. Yeah, but if you've got home. somebody with a with a uh, mental illness uh, or having a breakdown, how do you how do you tax that? Well, it could just be a portion of those those programs should go into mental health, which should robust that area to where possibly people could get treatment also for other issues. All right. Rather than just throwing it into the general revenue slush fund. All right, Dan, thank you for the call. Glad to have you on Gary on Guns. Brian, can I squeeze in one more? Yep. All right, I'll get Chuck on. Chuck, good morning. Uh, can you hear me okay still? Yes. Or this time? Okay. Yep. Hey, uh, just real quick. I am a truck driver. I can't go through the legalities and negate all the firearms laws between state to state and all that, but I, I hear, keep hearing about these things called burner launchers, and I was wondering if anybody knows about them and what your opinions are. What? What's it called? Berna launchers, B-Y-R-N-A, and they look like handguns. Ah, yeah, so it's a, it's a pepper ball gun. Uh, so, so instead uh, of pepper spray, it shoots like a paintball, but it's filled with um, capsaicin uh, um, liquid or powder, I believe. Um, I was just curious if, they were a, if you knew if they were a, a good deterrent or not. I've never used one. Um I mean, pepper spray definitely works on some people. Um, I, I well, I'd say a majority of people, um, but I do not know the accuracy of the range of these guns. But yeah, they they are. Um, I, I so I do have a customer in South Africa that sells these, and he he sells a lot of them uh, because it is it is not regulated as a firearm in South Africa. So a lot of people use these for um, defense in South Africa. Um, so are I, they I, I'd regulated be, in the states? No, I do not believe that they're they're registered. Uh, they're, they're not a firearm here. It, it's it's a it's a it's a it's like pepper spray or or a taser. Okay. There's it's not a firearm. Okay. Okay. Well, I noticed Chuck? when they fired the same velocities of bullets, and I was like, I was wondering, Alec, that's not as effective as a gun. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's it. If I remember right, they're pretty low velocity, but um, there are states that do. Uh, per- prohibit you from carrying pepper spray, and this might fall under that as well. Oh, gotcha. But yeah, I, I'd say All it's right. probably comparable to a BB gun, seeing as it's powered by those little CO two canisters. So okay. All right. You're, you're All right. not going to get any terminal effect from it, but the gas is what's doing its job, or not the gas, but the powder or the liquid, whatever they're filling them with. Okay. All right. Thank All you. right, Chuck. Thank you. Glad to have you on Gary on Guns. We've got a couple more firearms to talk about. Uh, Dale wants to talk about this uh, couple in Michigan uh, whose kid uh, was uh, so deadly. Uh, and uh, hopefully Sheriff Curry will get her hopefully all in in the next 40 minutes on Gary on Guns. Welcome. Glad to have you with us on Gary on Guns. Uh, Dale Roberts uh, is with us, uh, and uh, so is Chuck Basie, former state representative, Second Amendment supporter. And Garson is in from Graffs in Mexico, Missouri. Uh, we're still doing show and tell here. 
Uh, so let's get back to this uh, this revolver that you brought in. This is a Colt King Cobra. So uh, we actually have, I think we got an Anaconda, Anaconda uh, and a Python in stock as well. But I just brought this one because uh, this one's shiny. Um, <laughs> it's shiny. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Colt reintroduced all their, all their old revolvers. Um, so instead of paying three or four grand for a 70s era Colt, uh, you can pick this one up for 900 bucks. And um, it is uh, brush stainless, um, three-inch barrel. Uh, it's got the uh, brass front sight. Um, I kind of wish they polished that front sight a little better. I mean, it's it's not it's not super bright, but um, I mean, it, well, it's kind of dark in here. Uh, it, I think it could be brighter, especially with as uh, shiny as the back of the receiver is. Um, I think that detracts from the front sight a little bit. But uh, the top has got a satin finish, so it's not going to reflect um, a lot of light out in bright sunlight up at you. Uh, but the back of the receiver is still a little shiny, or is still pretty shiny, so it might be... I think it, I think it takes away a little bit from the front sight, but I, I think a little, a little bit of polish on there could brighten that sucker up pretty good. But... Um, Chuck, what do you think of the grip on that thing? That just... It, it is very, very nice looking. Comfortable, yeah. I think, is the yeah, and that's a that's a hog grip. Um, so it's you know this is meant for a working gun. Um, they do have a model with fancy uh, rosewood grips uh, if that's more your speed, and it's got target sights on that one uh, and a ramped front sight with a fiber optic insert. Um, I don't have one of those at the moment, but those are super nice as well. Um, but yeah, if you're if you're a Colt fan and want Colt revolvers, we got a few options right now. So that's a three fifty seven. Yes. Good ammunition supply on that. Yeah, we've actually got a fair amount of three fifty seven right now. Um, many more options than thirty eight, but yeah, it's it's we're we're building up our inventory again. Uh, all right, uh, Brian, how much time do I have? All right, can we uh, let's cover this uh, this rifle, this AR. This is nice. Yeah. So this is technically uh, not an AR. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's an AR-looking gun, but this is a 17 HMR. Um, so that's Hornady Magnum Rimfire. So it's a it's a 22 mag neck down to a 17. Um, awesome little varmint cartridge. Um, the first generation of 17 HMRs in semi-automatic, a lot of them were recalled because they did not properly handle the pressures of the HMR cartridge. Um, so there's, there's a bunch of new guns out that were redesigned to handle the the pressures of the 17 HMR and this is one of Alexander Arms um, entries into that uh, caliber group uh, I mean this thing's got it all it's got an 18 inch fluted barrel um, barrels threaded it just has an a2 flash hider on it because I think a lot of people are uh, putting other things on their muzzle and uh, those will all be available at uh, Graf's when yep I'll have them back at the shop on Monday there you go all right, up against the clock, but we'll be back. Gary on guns. Hey, welcome. Uh, we've got a couple of uh, last, uh, you know, the the last half hour, a couple of very important topics we want to get to. Uh, we were talking about the uh, the uh, shootings in in schools, and I had uh, Sheriff Curie on the program. Uh, he has uh, a lifetime in law enforcement and a PhD, and and uh, teaches uh, law enforcement. And 
we'll chat with him. I'll play that interview. We 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 recorded it earlier on my weekday show. Uh, then uh, Dale Roberts uh, has brought up uh, an interesting uh, case from Michigan, uh, and we'll we'll try to get to that before we run out of uh, this half hour. In the meantime, uh, Dale Roberts, MoGunLaw.com. Uh, we got uh, Chuck Basie, former state representative, Second Amendment supporter, and of course Garson from Crafts, who brought in some neat firearms. So let's uh, let's jump into this interview with Sheriff Curie. He is a 24-year career law enforcement officer at the local, state, and federal level. He's on the faculty in the criminology department at Benedictine College, and uh, he is uh, with us now. Sheriff, welcome. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on again. I appreciate it. Uh, always uh, a pleasure to have you on. We've just had another school shooting, uh, and now President Biden is out uh, saying, let's have another assault. Let's call for an assault weapons ban. Oh, my God. Uh, anyway, so let's talk uh, a, a couple of different aspects about this. First thing I want to talk to you about is the law enforcement response. Because I watched the video of those guys. They didn't hesitate for a moment. They just moved in the direction of where the hell was at. I thought that was brave. That was, it was extremely brave. I was very proud. Um, it, it, um, it brought back memories uh, for me that are also not good. I was involved in 1993 federal courthouse shootout and, and bombing incident um, and was in there um, working with the U.S. Attorney's Office at the time. I was a special agent on a case. And um, as I made my way up the staircase to engage the shooter and bomber, um, it just took me back um, to my event um, that occurred. So, uh, you know, these, these officers, and in my particular event, the, the shooter um, placed his duffel bag down too hard and blew himself in two. Um, and, and that's how he was taken out. Wow. But uh, it, most police officers don't go through any kind of engagement in their career. They're, they're, they're trained and prepared to. Um, this is unusual. But these officers, you know, um, not only the families and the, and, uh, are going to suffer from this for years to come, but these officers are going to be, think about the, the yesterday. We'll continue to think about it. And it will be um, always in the back of their mind. They're going to, uh, even though it was an excellent response, in the back of their mind, they're going to say, what could I have done different? Um, did I do everything right? And they're going to second guess everything that they did. Um, there's going to be some people that will still chastise them. Um, uh, but so, you know, we, we need to say a prayer for the victims and the victims' families, but also the first responders that put their life on the line. I also want to commend um, Nashville Metro for the, their public information and their briefings. I thought they were extremely professional. Um, they were uh, they were done often enough and done with enough information that the public was made aware. You know, we live in a society now that's very hot now, and we de we demand um, more information from police. And it was another textbook example. Not only the response. Um, but their but their information to the public was very good to include giving out videos and some um, photographs. Um, you, you don't want to share everything, but they gave enough to give uh, the public and the media context um, about this shooting, and that's extremely important. Nashville responded in less than 15 minutes. They didn't have anybody. They, there was no SRO there, the school resource officers, a small 
um, private Christian school that, that that did not have a police officer on staff. Um, but they not only responded to the 911 call in a timely manner within a few minutes, but they were actually able to engage the shooter under fire, by the way, um, get direct to threat, which is the training today, and be able to take out the shooter in less than 15 minutes. Um, this is a perfect example of what law enforcement is supposed to do, and it's it's the direct opposite of Uvalde, which was an embarrassment to us in law enforcement. Uh, and so you can see the differences, but the training, uh, the standard training, after Columbine, quite frankly, um, it used to be it was you would shelter in place and then you would gain enough mass of force to be able to try to overwhelm the shooter or negotiate the shooter out. And after Columbine, it was determined that direct to threat, as soon as you arrive, you go direct to threat and have to take out the shooter because all the shooter wants to do is cause mayhem and death. Sheriff Myers, uh, there was a, a, a guy up in, uh, <clears throat> in New York, Peyton uh, Gendron, and apparently he relied on New York and its gun control laws uh, so that he could get away with his murderous uh, shooting in, in a uh, grocery store up there. Um, and then uh, there's the shooter in Aurora, Colorado, who passed up apparently several other movie theaters where you were able to conceal carry uh, to get to the movie theater where you couldn't uh, when he went in uh, to that movie theater and shot the place up. And there are other cases uh, of this over and over and over again uh, where they choose gun-free zones. And they, in, in some cases, they come out and say, I did this because. Now, they leave it behind in a manifesto or they, if they're uh, captured alive. So when I see these people coming after guns and blaming the gun, uh, and when I realize that even in this shooting, apparently... Uh, this woman wanted to shoot, uh, wanted to go to another school, but they had a school resource officer who was armed and decided they didn't want to take, she didn't want to take that chance. So the whole gun control argument seems to fall flat on its face. And in fact, this seems to encourage what I've argued is necessary, and that is for uh, uh, faculty and staff to be allowed if they want to conceal carry. What do you think? I completely agree. School shooters by methodology um, plan um, significantly for these events. It's, it's, it's generally not just an opportunity where you drive by and then all of a sudden say, I'm going to go do this. It's very uncommon to do that. Most of them are planned out. Um, they actually case the locations and surveil the locations ahead of time. Sometimes they'll take pictures, drawings. Um, that occurred in this case. Um, criminals, by definition, uh, and, and I'm going to I'm going to show my frustration for a minute because every time we have a shooting, it comes back to this this issue for for many people, especially progressives. Criminals, so I want to make sure it's clear. Criminals, by definition, do not obey the law. Gun control laws only affect law-abiding citizens that follow legal avenues to obtain their firearms. Um, it's the same way with even background, check, background checks. Criminals do not buy guns 
through gun stores or, or very often don't. In this particular case, this woman did. Um, and this was a biological female that was transit, transitioning to a male. Uh, and w one of the first things that caught my attention in this case is when it was announced that it was a female, a 28-year-old female. In the history of police shootings, I can, I can name on my hand the number of females that have been involved in school shootings. In adult females, there's only been a couple in the history of school shootings. So that was highly unusual. So uh, not knowing where the, she is at in her transition to male and whether or not she's had some sort of pharmacological impact during her transitioning and was given, and, and we don't know, I mean, we're gonna know more information from the autopsy and the toxicology reports as they come in and whether or not um, uh, hormones were changed or testosterone I impact was changed, we don't know. Um, so you have to bear that in mind. Um, but cities with the, the strictest gun control laws have the highest crime rates. I study this all the time. I put out almost every quarter cities that are in the top 20, 25 on my Substack, stack uh, com, And every one of those cities are, are cities that have gun laws and gun, gun restrictions in place or they, and or their states that have done the same thing. All right, uh, that's uh, Sheriff Curry. And uh, you can hear that we're, we're, they can go to uh, 939eagle.com. And I believe it was on Wednesday. And uh, they can and, hear that uh, entire interview. But I think he makes the case, uh, essentially, that gun control doesn't work. Uh, and that uh, th there really isn't much more that uh, is as effective as having staff on board who are armed and willing. And I think we've made that case pretty compellingly in the last two hours on Gary on Guns. Uh, in the meantime, up against the clock, we're going to come right back. Dale Roberts has a case out of Michigan that we need to chat about on Gary on Guns. And welcome to Gary on Guns. Chuck Basie, former state representative, Second Amendment supporter. He is with us, as is Garson from Graffs in Mexico, Missouri, and Dale Roberts, MoGunLaw.com. And, uh, Dale, you sent me a copy of this uh, response. Uh, apparently, this kid in Michigan uh, shot four students and the parents are in trouble and you're, I didn't read the whole thing but I, I did take a quick lap through it and this kid was clearly having some mental problems um, what was your you, you want to go over this for us uh, briefly? Sure, this was a shooting uh, in uh, I think October of 2021 in Michigan in a, in a high school um, the young man, I think, killed four people. Maybe he shot more than that. But, the, you know, what caught my attention is a court of appeals in Michigan issued an opinion about a week ago saying, yes, his parents can be tried for involuntary manslaughter. And, and I guess it's a knee-jerk reaction. You think, well, wait a minute, why, why are the parents held responsible? Because um, I know I did things that my parents had no idea what, what I was up to when I was a teenager. Um, but you read through the, the decision of the court, and it, it goes through the details about how the, this, the shooter, teenager, had been verbalizing to his parents that he was having hallucinations, that things were flying off the shelves in the house, and he had to pick up after this ghost or whatever it was in the house, told his parents there were demons in the house throwing, you know, bowls at him, um, 
told his parents that he was having hallucinations, told him that he wanted to see a doctor, that he, that he knew he needed help. His mom told him, suck it up. Um, the parents refused to get him medical help, uh, but they did instead go out and buy him a new Sig Sauer 9mm pistol and ammunition and allow him to have it uh, unrestricted, not locked up, you know, wherever he, where he could get to it when he wanted. Um, and on the day of the shooting, he had... You know, he, he was doing drawings of people being shot and and wrote things in his notes that the school found about, you know, everybody's going to die. My life is useless. Blood everywhere. School called his parents in. The parents refused to talk to the kid they who was in the room. They talked to the school administrator and said, well, you know, we'll try and get him some help. Not today because we have to get back to work, but we'll try and get him some help. And then that afternoon... Uh, the young man went to the bathroom, got a, got the gun out of his backpack, and started shooting people. So, as I said, you know, my first reaction was, okay, I'm not sure about holding parents responsible for the acts of a child. Um, but, man, when you get into it, 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 he couldn't have given his parents more warning than he did. Um and, you know, I agree with the opinion of the court, not that anybody cares about my opinion, but the, the parents are still locked up and they're going to stand trial for involuntary manslaughter, uh, four counts of involuntary manslaughter. So this kid was really whacked. I mean, I'm, I'm reading through this and, um, I mean, the signs were there and right. still they, they wouldn't get him help, but they got him a gun? Yes. And, and you know, the... And, of course, law enforcement went through everybody's cell phone, all their email, checked out everything. You know, there were a number of cases when he would text his mom, either text or email, and tell her, you know, I need help. I, You know, things are happening. And she wouldn't respond for a full day. You know, she wouldn't even communicate with him. Uh, so, it's, if it's sad. I shouldn't laugh. But, I mean, if ever there was a case where the parents had every reason to know... Uh, that trouble was coming, this is that case. What if they, uh, they're they just numb? Um, would they still be guilty? I mean, they're, they're not perspicacious. They, they don't recognize this is a problem. Um, are they still guilty of, you know, you know, don't you have to have some knowledge that you're doing something wrong? Well... That, you know, the way it's going to go to the jury is, you know, one, the defendants were aware that he was having significant, you know, hallucinations and mental problems. The, two, they knew he was in a distressed mental state and that he, at three, he had requested help, medical assistance. They refused to get it. And four, they purchased a handgun and made it readily accessible to him. And, and I think five, he had a journal that, that was open and available to him, to them, in which he made a daily entry saying, you know, blood everywhere, the thoughts won't stop, my life is useless, I'm going to kill people. And so those, it's basically, that's the setup that will go to the jury. The jury will hear the case and decide if a reasonable parent with that information would have gotten their child medical help or would have taken, you know, not gone out and bought him a nine millimeter gun or would have, 
you know, kept it locked up. Yeah, the reasonable parent thing is where they uh, they really are in trouble. I I cannot imagine um, having a, a child doing what this kid was doing and just saying, "Yeah, let's go out and get him a gun." I mean, just that is incredible, right? And on some of the occasions when he would text or email his mom saying he was having these problems, she, you know, she'd either text him back and say, suck it up, or she wouldn't respond at all. And instead, her text, you know, her phone messages showed that she was going to the stable that night for her regular writing lesson. And, you know, she, her writing lessons were important and more important than having to mess with her son. Jeez. Um, usually I say some mother's kids, but some oh, kids' yeah. mothers. Yeah. Uh, that is just uh, bizarre. I, I and almost ugly. feel sorry for the kid. I mean, he, he begged for help and never got it. Yeah. How ironic that he recognized he needed help and the parents didn't. Right. Or didn't respond to it. Nope. I think you're right. I think the parents are accountable uh, in this situation. Uh, anybody around the table here think differently? No, I think Dale hit it right on the head. Yep, squarely on the thumb, if you will. Uh, before we run out of time, and we are getting very, very close, Garson, let's go through uh, those uh, three firearms that you brought in that people can get from Graf's. Alexander Arms, 17HMR, uh, HK, P30L, Long Slide, three mags, and um, Colt King Cobra here, and uh, a few others back at the shop right now. And uh, you've got plenty of ammo for all that. How is the the ammo thing is pretty much uh, uh, done now, isn't it? I mean, there's no more. For a lot of mainstream calibers, you can get something on demand. Not all options are available. Um, but I was surprised that we had 17 HMR in stock. Um, I had not seen that in a while. And I guess I missed that it came in. Um, so, yeah, we've got we've actually got a plethora of 17 HMR in at least one flavor um, at, at the store right now. Uh, all right. On that happy note, guys, thanks for being with us. Whatever it is in life that you want, go out and get it. Don't wait for the government to drop it in your lap. You make it happen. You seize the day, Carpe Diem. Gwen, baby. Honey, I'm coming home.